Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Places of the Passion. We're going to see in these Sundays leading up to Easter, these Sundays through this Lent season, is that Jesus mentions some interesting places. We're going to talk about the places that he brings up in his conversations. These places that were on his mind in the last weeks of his life on earth. And so today in the gospel reading, you heard him mention Jerusalem, right? Now go back uh, just to last Sunday, it was Transfiguration Sunday, Luke chapter 9, we read this. It said, behold, two men were talking with Jesus, they were Moses and Elijah. These two men had passed away millennia, centuries and centuries before, uh, who appeared in glory with Jesus and the three of them were talking about his, Jesus's, departure. Well, which departure? Well, a departure that he's about to accomplish at where? Yes, Jerusalem. So at this point, the transfiguration, when he revealed his glory to Peter, James, and John, this inner circle of his closest disciples, he had set his face to go to Jerusalem. This was it. These are the last days of his mission on earth, and it's going to be accomplished. It's going to be completed in Jerusalem. I saw on Facebook uh, a young lawyer had posted a meme. Anybody know what a meme is? All right, it's a picture with a little joke on it. Well, this, this meme was of a minion. You're familiar with the movie The Minions? And it said, my goal in life is to tick off at least one person every day. I am three years, six months, and 27 days ahead of schedule. <laughs> now, do you know anybody like that? I have dealt with people like that. I've worked with people, not in the church, of course, but in the other world worked with people like that, and it didn't bode well for them. They had very tr you know, big troubles in their relationships, their job. Is there anyone here who's like that? Don't raise your hand. Oh, my God, that's a rhetorical question. Surely not. Surely not. And there's no way we would ever imagine Jesus with this kind of attitude, is there? But then we look at Luke chapter 13 today, and Jesus says, Go and tell that fox, Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I finish my course. The third day it is finished. The third day it is accomplished. Jesus is being just a little bit confrontational. And he knows who he's talking about here. King Herod. A fox. He's being confrontational because those Pharisees that he was speaking to, and King Herod, and honestly most of the people around him, didn't like the words that Jesus was saying. 
Jesus is speaking prophetic words. Let's just real quick recap what's happening just in chapter 13. Let's see this uh, meek and mild Jesus. Let's see how he reacts to these stubborn people. Up, up in verse 3, we're same chapter. Jesus said, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. That was the prophetic word that needed to be spoken to the world. Repent or you will perish. It is a warning. A few verses later, Jesus talks about a fruitless fig tree. He said, sure, if it bears fruit next year, well and good, but if not, you can cut it down. It's a waste of space. Get rid of that thing. And again, a few verses later, he's talking about strive to enter through the narrow door. For many will seek to enter and will not be able. For many people, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many people will perish. Clear warning. Sin has consequences. A prophetic word, repent or you will perish. Sounds pretty confrontational. How do you think the people responded to that? At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said, get out of here. Go away. Hey, you know what? We heard that Herod wants to kill you. Now, I, I don't believe for a second that this was uh, a friendly Pharisee. I don't believe this was a favor to try to help Jesus out. Jesus had been confronting the Pharisees through his whole ministry for a good three years now, confronting them because of their hypocrisy, because of their self-righteousness, because of the way they treated the, the rest of the people in their community. And they did everything they could to discredit him. They lied about him. They tried to trap him. And so now they're just trying another approach. They're trying to intimidate Jesus. Jesus isn't going to be intimidated. So he said, you tell that fox that I'm going to cast out demons, I'm going to cure people, and I'm going to keep on going today, tomorrow, and not until the third day, I will accomplish my course on mission. It's not a different message, and uh, Jesus knew again who he was talking to. King Herod had just dealt with another prophet, John the baptizer, had a similar prophetic word for Herod, a warning. John confronted King Herod about his adultery with his sister-in-law. Herod didn't want to hear of it. Just get out of here. Had John arrested. You may know how this story ended. He's in prison. Eventually, Herod had John beheaded. 
Get out of here. I don't want to hear it. And this is, again, Jesus is, knows exactly who he is dealing with. He is confronting the king. And he's calling him what he is, right? A sly fox, a predator. And Jesus, very straightforward, very honestly, is telling the truth, again, to all of the people, repent or you will perish. If you're a fruitless fig tree, you're going to be cut out. Now, why? Why would, why would Jesus confront King Herod of all people like this? Again, because the king, the Pharisees, the people, they didn't want to hear it. They were comfortable in their sins. Either maybe they didn't believe there was such a thing as sin, or maybe they thought, well, I do some things wrong, but it's no big deal. Same question we could ask. Again, why be so confrontational with people? That's not the loving thing to do, is it? That's not the Christ-like thing to do, is it? What about today? Does the church today still speak a prophetic word? We live in a very casual, a very permissive society. We, the church, have allowed Satan and the world to intimidate us into not speaking the prophetic word, not calling a thing what it is. A sin is a sin. Not calling out what the punishment for sin is. Death. Eternal damnation. Well, that's not warm and fuzzy. That's not going to get everybody just flocking to us. No, it is confrontational. People will react the same way. They react to John the Baptist. They reacted to Jesus and, quite honestly, reacted to all of the prophets who'd come before all the prophets from the Old Testament that we read about who suffered so much for proclaiming God's word. Here's the big point. The world needs. The church needs. You and I need for the church to stand up again and say, thus says the Lord. Thus says the Lord. I didn't have applause line in my notes. I don't know what to do about that. But it's true. We rename sins. Killing babies is a choice. Adultery is, well, it's an affair. Fornication, well, they're living together. We go on and on and on. Allowing the world to intimidate us from proclaiming the truth. Yes, in love, of course, in love. But also being loving is telling the truth. And when we share the message to repent, 
to turn away from your sinful ways or you will perish, you can expect the same reaction from people that everybody before us has shared a prophetic word, the way people have reacted to them. But this is the message that you and I are called to share with the world. I don't care if you're a parent, a pastor, or a painter. We all have the vocation of sharing the gospel. And a part of that gospel message is that sin is real. Sin hurts the people around you. Sin hurts yourself, ultimately hurts you eternally. But we do have a solution for that. And see, that's what I struggle with other pastors or churches, sermons I hear about love, what real love is, true love. We've been tricked into thinking that it's more loving to overlook than it is to confront. And if we really love them, we'll tell them the truth. And if if we don't, If if we don't share this prophetic word, repent or perish, then we are robbing the cross of its power to save. If sin isn't real, if sin isn't important, if sin doesn't matter, it's no big deal, then why did Jesus have to die? He died for our sins. The punishment The reality is we're all sinners, me, the chief among them. But when we repent, we receive that grace, that mercy from God. So I know it sounds, the prophetic word, it sounds confrontational, but I want you to know that every prophet who spoke these words deeply loved their people. Jeremiah 24, the Old Testament reading, he had a pretty confrontational word to share with Jerusalem. But I want you to listen to what Jeremiah said in chapter 9, verse 1. He said, oh, that my head were a spring of water and my eyes a fountain of tears. I would weep day and night for the slain of my people. Do you sense the depth of the love that he has for his brothers and sisters. And listen to Jesus this morning, lamenting over Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who God is sending to save you. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings? You were not willing. Do you sense the depth of the love that Jesus has for all of God's children? Enough to confront us with the hard truth. Let me show you how much Jesus loves us. We talked about foxes and hens in our gospel reading today. You know, a hen 
doesn't have sharp big fangs or claws or rippling muscles. The only thing that a hen has to protect its children from that fox is itself. If that fox wants to get those children of hers, he will have to kill her first. Jesus came to be that suffering servant, that self-sacrifice for you and me, for the whole world. Yeah, I know, it's a little confrontational to call a sin a sin and to warn people that the end of that road is destruction. But the good news is, when you repent, the blood of Jesus forgives us from all our sins, cleanses us from all unrighteousness restores our relationship with our Heavenly Father and protects us from that fox the rest of our lives for eternity even. Then when Jesus returns and establishes the new Jerusalem here, the, the new heavens and the new earth, what a glorious city that's going to be to live in. Not only no weeping, no gnashing of teeth, no more sickness, no more death, no more sin. So I just encourage all of us to speak that prophetic word in love, but call a thing what it is. God grant us the strength to do that. Amen.